Welcome to the Two Hip Podcast. This week's guest is an old friend, an ancient friend, older than a lot of my other friends, but I haven't talked to her in a long time, and we recently kind of reconnected. She's got a lot of interesting things going on in her life. Uh, she's the president and founder of Future Lady Leaders, a really awesome organization, a nonprofit uh, based out of New Jersey, doing awesome things to empower young girls uh, in leadership roles. And she's also a supervisor at ARI, which is a, um, a fleet distribution uh, company for uh, cars that have like big automotive fleets for companies. And she's like the customer service guru there. And she's involved in a lot of other little side projects that I want to dive into. But before I butcher everything about her life, um, <laughs> let's welcome and let her explain herself. Emily Cranmer. Hi. Thank you so Hi. much welcome, for having Emily. me. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to be able to reconnect with you on, you know, such a fun platform. Yeah, cool. I'm <laughs> glad you could do it. Um yeah, we go we go back to summer camp. I don't I don't mm -hmm. know if I was specific in my intro there, mm -hmm. but yeah, we go back a long time to summer camp, which I'm I'm sure we'll we'll dive back into. But <laughs> um, why don't I like to have this segment at the beginning where people can explain themselves? So can you explain yourself? Explain yourself, the hostile segment where you explain you, like you're on trial. You know, I feel like I'm a working mom. I always feel like I need to throw out there because that is just like a whole big thing in itself. But, uh -huh. um, you know, I've got three kids, um, Rosie, Miles and Holden. They are nine, six and three. So my life is a little crazy. <laughs> um, and um, I live in New Jersey in a log cabin, which is super cute, but super old. So we're always <laughs> doing a lot of maintenance to that. Mm -hmm. um, I've been working at ARI for uh, just about six years now. And it's kind of a career I fell into because nobody goes to school for like fleet management. Not a lot of people <laughs> even understand what that is, but I absolutely love it. Like I absolutely love my job i get to like wake up every morning and i leave every day just feeling so satisfied and accomplished and this organization is fantastic i'm actually featured in their culture video on their website which is pretty cool awesome um so that that part of my life is just really awesome and really satisfying where i feel like i have such a solid family and i um i just you know, I want a career too. So it's been great to be able to pursue both of those. Um, mm -hmm. And then because, you know, who wants to be bored? I decided to start a nonprofit. Um, and that was something that my husband and I uh, started after uh, the last election when um, it was heartbreaking to tell my daughter that there wasn't going to be a female president. Mm -hmm. And he was literally bawling her eyes out and then she said like mom there's never gonna be a girl president and Ugh. that was when she was seven and that stuck in the back of my head as i was driving to work and clearly she doesn't understand politics but <laughs> I, I do think kids picked up a lot more on the political climate than than you know we probably give them credit for mm -hmm. but at the time like she believed in the tooth fairy and she <laughs> believed in santa claus and you know, we went to Disney that year and she thought those Disney princesses were real and she didn't mm. think that she could 
you know, excel to be in like the Oval Office. And that bugged me. And that just stuck with me with my like confident, creative little girl. And I was like, this ain't right. So after doing a lot of research, we found out that there is a confidence gap between boys and girls that start mm. as young as kindergarten. And there are absolutely no programs, uh, at least in our area, that address that. And girls uh, form these habits of, you know, not raising their hand, of, you know, not having a seat at the table, not feeling like their voice matters as much in a group setting, being free to voice yeah. their opinion. And we wanted just to address that right away. So that way, as these girls are growing up, they can focus on these key leadership skills that I didn't learn until I got into corporate, you know, environment. And a lot of mm -hmm. people don't learn until high school and college. So hopefully, you know, we can really help generate this, this next empowered generation of female leaders. And then also I, I'm a strong believer in like, we all rise together. I feel like if the young girls in my son's kindergarten class are more empowered, then he'll be more challenged and he'll grow up being, you know, just understanding how to have a better conversation, understanding how to challenge peers better. So right. I think it's just something that it benefits us all. And, just seeing that gap, we just needed to do something about it. So it was something where just from my daughter's one comment, and then we just went down that rabbit hole of research. And I was like, well, that's it. We got to do something about this. Yeah. And then, you know, we just were like, all right, I guess we're forming a nonprofit now. So, um, you know, I, I do that and volunteer at the PTO and, you know, just do absolutely everything that I can to be involved in my kids' lives and the community. And, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think that's all great stuff. I, I think um, I definitely, I, I, I'm sure it was obvious to you when I reached out to you, but mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely want to talk about this organization because, um, you know, it, it's, it, to me, I, I've, part of this whole mantra of this podcast has been being yourself and, and trying to be, be confident as yourself. Mm -hmm. So this confidence gap that you're highlighting, you're effectively you're really just telling them to be themselves and to be comfortable in their own skin and be comfortable with criticism and open discussion and being mm -hmm. part of like an open dialogue instead of feeling like they have to hold back, which is kind of like an antiquated way of thinking, particularly uh, towards um, girls. And like the way way parents raise girls, they don't even realize it's happening because it's so ingrained from generations, you know, um, mm -hmm. and it's like an unfortunate side effect. And I feel like luckily, I, th I think we're at a point now at, at least in my circle of friends where I feel like parents are trying to um, steer away from those sort of stereotypical way, ways of parenting mm -hmm. and try to intentionally go out of their way to, to put both boys and girls on the same page and raise them in a similar way where they're sort of taught to go after things and, and be confident and, mm -hmm. and push yourself forward and to strive for things and not, and not feel like you're, you're limited boy or girl, you know, mm -hmm. in, in roles that have stereotypes and are defined a certain way as, as being gendered. Um, you know, it, it's really frustrating when, when kids right out of the gate at a super young age already feel like that. And even now, after saying what I just said, 
I still have my son coming home from school and saying things like, oh, well, that's a boy thing or that's a girl thing. And he yeah. didn't say that, you know, a few months ago. And it's already a thing that has happening in, in what I like to think is a relatively like open minded community that I live in here. Mm-hmm. And still it's happening, you know, and these it's just somewhere it's ingrained. There's books that they're reading. Something is happening where it's still well, coming out. So I appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. And it's, it's literally like all about these like subtle cues that we give them because Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I read that stuck out with me so much is that, you know, girls, when they're being directive and they're taking the lead when they're younger, they're called bossy. And mm-hmm. I don't remember any of the boys I was around being young. And I don't call my sons bossy, but I have called my daughter bossy. And it's things that like I've I've done that. So, you know, I'm catching myself right. doing that and being like, well, yep, there you go. Because <laughs> it's just one of those things that is that stereotype that has been ingrained. Mm-hmm. And I love now when you like walk through Target and you walk through different stores and you see like the the shirts for little girls now that have um, you know, empowering slogans on them and, and they have like, um, you know, things with science and all that other kind of stuff, which is great. But then mm-hmm. you, you walk in the younger girls section, like literally with like the toddlers that go up to five and it's sweet, like mom, like pretty as a princess. Right. And it's like all these things that are just, so you're still, you're still putting in the wrong groundwork, even exactly. if there's a, a sort of niche market for the, the you know, the scientifically interested girls. Yeah. So if you're teaching other girls about STEM and like, you can be an engineer, you can be whatever you want to be. There's no gender stereotypes, but then you're taking them to go shop for a baby shower. Mm -hmm. You know, like, what are they seeing? And these are just out there all of the time. And from such a young age, girls are taught like sugar and spice and everything nice. And you understand that as like, we should all be good people. Right. So like this slogan that bothers me so much with my sons is when people say boys should be boys. And I think like that slogan should be banned because (laughs) like, no, like my boys should be allowed to be kids and they should be allowed to make mistakes. Yes. But they should like boys should be boys like is just a way of saying like boys should be allowed to be assholes. I'm not allowed. Am I allowed to curse? Oh, yeah, of course. I'm not going to censor you. No, no, I mean, I I completely agree with that, by the way. But like, I I have um, some relatives who I I absolutely love them, but they they still will say those things. Like um, a lot of people in our family were saying the the thing like, oh, he's all boy. He's all boy. Like said it from a super young age. And I'm just like, what does that even mean? Like, because he's active because he does this i, I mean I, I guess i have heard some very minor evidence from actual scientists that there are obviously s- some minor differences between boys and girls in terms of like some physical aspects of them or, or even emotional differences but it's so subtle and th- like shifting into this mindset where you're like leaning so heavily into it where it then becomes this big separation that's just mm-hmm. this huge uh, divide between the genders that doesn't need to be there. It's absurd. Yeah. And I like, I've done a ton of research on it. And this one scientist who, uh, you know, did a ton of research about, you know, like gender norms said at the end of his article, I just thought it was just so funny that he was like, my boys played with Barbie dolls. My girls played with trucks. 
my girls would play with trucks and they'd vroom, vroom, vroom. And that was great. But the boys always ended up running over the Barbie dolls with the trucks. Like, and that, <laughs> that was just how they played. And that's okay. Like, it doesn't mean that everybody has to, you know, play with a toy, how they're supposed to play with it for how it's meant for that gender. It's like, no, kids mm-hmm. should just be kids and play with how they want to play with things and, you know, embrace their creativity and just, again, grow up to be good people who have independent thoughts and just know how to treat other people with kindness and respect. And I think that if like, that's what we're focusing on, then, you know, that's great. And the one thing that I like, so I'm a manager now and I have like 17 people that, that report directly to me. And right now I'm in the middle of uh, performance appraisals and they have to do a self, they have to do a self review before (laughs) I review them. And the first thing they say when we get into the meeting is, oh my God, I hate reviewing myself. And I said, why? And it's because they feel awkward that they don't know what to say because they don't want to like brag about themselves and they don't want to, they just, they're so uncomfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And I, the question I ask them all the time is like, well, don't you understand the value that you bring to the company that you bring to the team? Don't you understand the value that you bring to the client each day? Like, I don't understand. Talk about that. Like you should be proud of that. If you exceed expectations, like tell me about it. Yeah, of course. I see that with the girls and our future lady leaders who start in second grade when we start every meeting we say girls like tell me about an accomplishment from last month and it is a struggle to get (laughs) them to talk about it because it starts at such a young age where people feel like they can't talk about what they're good at they can't talk about their accomplishments in just like freely because they're going to be judged for that. They're going to be viewed as cocky and not confident. They're going to be viewed as they're bragging. And, and it's such a negative, you know, um, it's just been viewed so negatively to just to be proud of what you achieved. And I think that is such bullshit. And I want these little girls to be able to say like, yeah, I scored a goal and I'm proud of that. And yeah, I got Mm -hmm. an A on my math test and I crushed that. And they don't have to go around saying that to everybody, but if somebody asks them, they should be able to say like, yes, I do that. And I do that well. And I just want them to be able to own their strengths and be able to really, own their confidence and just, you know, I think moving forward, being confident helps you be more compassionate, helps you be more creative. And it just, you know, helps you just become a better person and it helps you lift up the others around you. So, you know, that's, that's what we all have to strive for. And, you know, that's ultimately what we're looking for in future lady leaders is just letting them know how to have a voice. And, um, one of the, we have a whole bunch of workshops, but my favorite one was we taught them conflict resolution through like fairy tales, and, like helping them have to like <laughs> yeah. dissect different emotions through um, like fairy tales. And we did the three little pigs, right? And okay, yeah. my favorite Everybody knows that one, right? Fit three little pigs, right? And mm-hmm. at the end, this group came up and they presented about the three little pigs. And they were, I was like, okay, what else could have the pig done to like, you know, handle that conflict with the wolf? And they just said, like, give him chips or give him French fries because he clearly was just hangry. And they could, like, (laughs) break down that, you know, people could get frustrated or they can get angry if they were hungry and they might act in an irrational way. So now I'm just hoping that, like, you know, if they're in a situation where they realize that somebody might be acting in a way that they normally don't, 
they can take a step back and not Mm -hmm. lean into that drama, but have the confidence that they can go to that higher level to be like, okay, there's other emotions going on here. Let me address that and not just like fall into this whole drama, which just for girls, you know, I think so easily they can just be labeled as dramatic and it's just, it's awful. They just, it's just almost expected of them to be dramatic and awful to each other. So we really wanted to teach them just how to understand like what makes other people act that way and how to have some perspective, like look at it from another person's point of view. Yeah. And you know, we had a, a workshop on how to talk to people that you disagree with and, you know, tactics to use where like you want to listen, you know, say your point of view, but it's not your job to talk to somebody and have them agree with you. And mm-hmm. at the end of the conversation, like if you feel like you're not being respected, it's also okay to walk away and say like, I'm done because that is a choice that you can make because that is respecting yourself and having confidence to know that like, all right, I don't have to deal with you. And I think right, right. that is important too. So there's so many little lessons that I just want to just teach them and, and have them absorb, but also they're in second grade, third grade, fourth grade. So all we can do is plant the seed and just hope that eventually that seed will grow and they'll be able to pick something from it later on in life. But you know, all you, we have to try, right. I can't sit back and do nothing. I think this is great to try. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think it's, you know, you're, you're definitely teaching this and I think it's really good. And then the earlier people can be confident, um, you know, confidence is one of those really, uh, interesting things like it's 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 so subtle it's really just completely mental right like you just have to be you mm-hmm. and and not worry about other people like saying anything about that mm-hmm. and suddenly all the things they say have no power exactly like it loses all the power and suddenly you're just like i can't be hurt by that if i can't mm-hmm. be hurt by that and that was the thing i was worried about the most like then i can do anything and yeah. it just suddenly it just it just is one of those things that exponentially builds on top of itself, I think. Yeah. And we have had like conversations like, OK, well, what if you said that? And they're like, oh, well, well what if I look silly and, and I, I was embarrassed and people said something? And I'm like, OK. And <laughs> like tomorrow, what happens? Right. And what are your real friends going to do? And is your family still going to love you? And are you still going to get good grades? And right. do you still <laughs> like the music that you like? And you know, how, what impact does it really have on you? And just yeah, trying yeah. to get them to think about that. And I'm sure they're still going to get upset because they still have to learn through life experiences. But again, it's just planting that seed that there are bigger things and there are more mm. important things. And what other people think of you does not define you. It's what, you know, you think of yourself and what your values right. are. Yeah, so you're you're preaching this, you're preaching confidence mm-hmm. and being honest, being being who you are. So I think this is a perfect time to dive into um, the two hypocrisy. Two hypocrisy, like the recapture for authenticity, meant to be easy on humans, hard on hipster bots. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I feel like th- there's like just too many examples to choose from. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, you know, like it's something where as, as hard as somebody can try that there's always those, those instances where you look back and you're just like, eh, that was, <laughs> that was not the best thing to do. Right. And, um, you know, there's, 
there's been like a few things where, um, you know, well, like with, so like with my daughter, so like, like she, she was a little bit of a surprise. Um, <laughs> and, and like, um, you know, we, I met my husband and, uh, we were like literally like, um, married like six weeks later and everyone's like, Oh my gosh, that is so romantic. That is so sweet. And I'm like, it <laughs> is romantic. And I usually leave out the part that I was pregnant because like, <laughs> it's something that like, you know, to us, it didn't matter. But at the same time, if it didn't matter, like, you know, why wouldn't I just say that, you know? Right. right. And so we had our like, like marriage anniversary and then we have our wedding anniversary and, it, and like we confused the hell out of everybody. And it's, it's something where like, if 10 years ago, if I just like owned that, it would have been easier, but mm, I was, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be judged. And I didn't want anybody to look at me to think that like, I only married my husband because I was expecting and I didn't want anybody to look at my daughter differently. And, and now like looking back, it's like, who cared, you know, like we were right. a family and, and it's our family and it's special and I love our story, but it was just terrified to be viewed in that way so it was easier to just paint a different picture yeah that's a good i mean that's a great example i I still i like to think again like in modern times that it it shouldn't even matter like even more so than in the past right and i i have a few friends that are have kids together and aren't even married Mm -hmm. um and like that seems to be way more accepted but even them like i've had some friends that were that were upfront about it from the beginning and just like that's not really our thing like and even that was um, got like a you know weird reception, but those people owned it. And in both of the cases that I'm thinking of off the top of my head, and you would be another example of that, where you've been together for a very long time. I mean, I, like it's been ten years, right? Something like that. Yeah, we have been. Um, well, it's so funny. I'm like, well, our marriage anniversary is ten years. <laughs> our wedding anniversary will be ten years in October. So right. again, <laughs> confusing as hell. But yeah, it'll be like we've been officially married for over ten years now. Right. Yeah. So like, just I think proving that that's kind of an absurd thing to worry about. But but the fact that you admitted that, I mean, that's 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 some deep stuff. Like that that some people could keep that buried for years. I I. I I uh, hear stories from from people in their 80s and 90s saying, oh, we just found out that so and so, you know, was was uh, conceived before the wedding. Um, And it's like the big controversy in the family and it'll spread through the family. Like that was 80 years ago. And you guys, you just found out now. Obviously, it didn't mean anything to your understanding of that person, to your relationship, to their relationships. Like, why does that even matter? But the fact that they had to hide it, you know, and and if you can get a front of it now, kind of going back to what we were talking about with confidence, like it, the more you own who you are mm-hmm. from an early age, this is if anybody's younger listeners, I always try to like advertise that to them. I know it's hard when you're especially if you're in like middle school or high school, I feel like is just everyone is really pretending a lot of things and and trying to put on a show to varying degrees. So the, the more you can peel that back and try to really be yourself, it will benefit you, I think, in the long run, because you'll have you'll, you're not hiding as much. So there's less to worry about. You're not going to get caught up in lies. You're not going to get caught up pretending to be someone you aren't. And, um, you know, I, I just feel like that's the best way you can go. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even when, um, you know, Rosie was first born, I felt like, you know, I almost had to be like absolutely super mom right to like prove myself that I could do this and you know it was like thank god I didn't have Pinterest at that time because then I probably would have went insane (laughs) but it was just 
I felt like I had to put out this whole perception of just being this a mom whose family was perfect and we had everything under control and they were happy all the time and they were so cute and you know even if they were like spunky it was like ah everything is great when like really like a lot of times I come home from work and cry and just want to like put myself in my room with like a bottle of wine because it's exhausting to be a parent of like three right. kids and it's exhausting oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's also just exhausting to try so hard all the time when it's like it's okay not to be perfect and mm -hmm. it took me like probably just until like like my my I always joke around like my third child broke me but he's <laughs> he's probably what fixed me because I think that um for the longest time like I everybody always assumed I was confident and like I think if people if that you ask people to explain me I think that they would always say like oh yeah like Emily's a really confident outgoing person but I never felt that way, like on the inside, like I always felt mm. really insecure and, right. and like kind of felt like I needed to, you know, put on and, and then with, um, my son. So he was another surprise. We are not good at family planning. <laughs> um, so and I was doing really great at work and I was so, I just, I like, I love my job and I, you know, I was so excited about like where I was at my position to grow my career and then, um, you know, found out that I was expecting and mm -hmm. we were talking about like fostering kids, which I always really wanted to do. And, um, we like got like, um, went through like the training for that and we were like on the path for that I asked my boss for a letter of recommendation and then two weeks later I had to go back to him and be like hey so I don't need that because I'm pregnant <laughs> so that was kind of embarrassing <laughs> um and I was really bitter the entire pregnancy because mm. I did not like that's not what I wanted that was not my plan I did not want to be on maternity leave for three months I did not like I just I didn't want to put my body through that. Like, that's just not what I wanted. And I was mad at my husband probably my whole nine months. I feel really bad for him because he <laughs> had to deal with me. And it was just like a frustrating experience. And then, you know, when like Holden was born, it was something where it was like, oh, great. You know, of course you have the baby and, and you love him and everything's awesome. And then like he got really sick and um, he like like his blood, um, I would say blood alcohol, that's not right. His blood oxygen levels started dropping and, okay. and he started, um, like snorting, which first we thought was kind of cute. We're like, Oh, look, he's snorting. And then the <laughs> nurse was like, that's not okay. And they just took him to the NICU for like observation. And then when I went there like four hours later, to give him a bottle they were like no you can't give him a bottle he needs a feeding tube and i'm like what are you talking about yeah wow and, and they had to put in um the um I was forgetting, the nose things whatever that oxygen thing was called i forget what that's yeah, called yeah. now and they were like the pressure is too high like he is a risk of like aspiration so you can't do that but you can come back in the morning and we'll see if he's better so i went back to my room like numb being like okay like what's going on because i had no idea and then um, the next morning they were just like, you need to go back to your room. The doctor needs to talk to you. And she came in and was like, uh, so his blood, uh, like oxygen kept dropping and we need to put him on a ventilator. You need to sign all of these um, like, um, like release forms and 
we don't know what's going to happen. So she made me go through and sign like all of these forms, basically like giving her the permission oh, to do whatever needed. Yeah. As if that's what you need in that like stressful moment here. Sign yeah. all this shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I had no idea what I was signing and I'm like in a state of shock and he's like 36 hours old and mm. I am just terrified because my other babies were like, you know, they're perfectly fine and healthy. So you just assume your third is going to be perfectly fine and healthy Right. And um, she was like, all right, I'm going to come back in an hour. I'll let you know how he's doing. So then it's like an hour, nothing. We call down there and they're like, ah, nothing's really happening yet. And then like four hours later, the doctor comes in and she looks like she just like performed surgery, like co- like covered head to toe and like um, just like that little cape thing that they wear with like the covering mm-hmm. over her head and like a mask. And she basically was like every piece of equipment that we had, like he's on. Like wow. he had to be put on like an oscillating ventilator that like is the one that like shakes them and it keeps their, it did like a hundred breaths a minute to keep his lungs like fully um, inflated. And they right. had to put him on like nitric oxide. And then because it was like so painful for him, they had to knock him out with morphine. Oh, and man. then um, it was just like, it was a nightmare. And I went in there and remember my husband was like, Emily, you don't want to go in there. It's awful. And just, it, it was the just the worst experience of my entire life. And it's the first, like, you know, two days, they didn't know what was wrong with him. So I think that mm. was the most terrifying thing of, like, okay. Yeah, like no answers for you. That's That's got to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that would be very stressful. So your baby's not breathing, and you're just like, I don't understand what's going on. And the doctors are coming in, and they're talking around you, and you're just – terrified and all you can just see is like the monitor and the NICU just keeps dropping and it keeps dropping and it keeps dropping and people keep running in and they're taping they're taking like his blood um, oxygen levels and they had to take so much from him that he needed to get a blood transfusion at three days old Wow! so like all this stuff is going on and in my head the entire time all I kept thinking was like oh my god I did this because I didn't want him like that was like Oh, wow. That was like all that I kept thinking. And then it was something where like, I literally felt like it was like some just higher being like just smacking me in the face to be like, yeah, you did. Like, you see this? Like, (laughs) yeah, you did. Like, this is kind of like, like, we needed to like put you through this to show you that like you did and you needed to be put through this basically just to just I kind of, I kind of, I know this sounds awful to be like, I felt like I put it on myself, but you know, he had something that was called a persistent uh, pulmonary hypertension, which basically was like the arteries in his lungs just did not um, relax after he was born, which normally babies, when they're born, like, you know, they breathe through their mother. And then when they're born, their arteries relax and then oxygen can flow through their bloodstream, through their lung. Mm-hmm. So yeah. his didn't. So they actually had to put him on nitric oxide, which is what is in Viagra, which is a fun fact, because <laughs> it helps blood flow through. Um, and after he was on that for a week and it was on ventilators for a week, then he got better. And then he, we had to stay in the hospital for an extra week for him to be weaned off morphine because oh man, he, you know, after being on there for a week and a half, your baby becomes addicted. That was again, yeah. well, especially like the first week and a half of their life too. Just exactly. like, this is normal. Yeah. To them. Yeah. So, I mean, that was something where you're like, holy shit, how is my, my baby addicted to morphine right now? And how am I dealing with this? 
And then afterwards, it was just like, okay, now you're normal. Like they were like, okay, you can take him home. He's fine now. I, I, <laughs> I was like, what, what do you mean? Like he couldn't breathe a week ago. Like we were terrified he wasn't gonna live a week ago, and now you're like, he's good. Take him. And oh, I think yeah. that was just such like a life changing experience where like after that, like you realize like nothing else really matters. So mm-hmm. was I worried about being like super mom anymore? Like, no, I wanted to spend time with <laughs> my kids and right. Of course. And I wanted to make sure that I appreciated them more because like I was a dick. Like I really was like not appreciative towards that and i realized that some women can't have kids and some women go through these awful experiences and you know my whole attitude towards that like i was just being such a child of just looking at like how it was going to be an inconvenience and not focusing at the end that i was going to have this beautiful son that i was going to love and was going to bring so much joy to my life and you know i got put through that trial but at the end it really was a blessing and i think that helped me realize what matters, realize what bullshit I was focusing on that I didn't have to. And at the end of that whole experience, like it helped me be more confident because it just helped me strip out all that bullshit that made me self like self-conscious and made me worry about stuff that didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I joke around that he broke me because like now my house is a mess and, you know, like <laughs> I'm not as together as I once was, but it's, well, hopefully you're emotionally better. Yeah, though, right? Oh, yeah. Emotionally better. <laughs> but it's something where you just it puts your life in such a better perspective where when you when you don't care and when you're OK with who you are and you're OK with your choices and you realize what matters, then you're just kind of like, fuck it. And then you I, I've never felt better about myself and about my capabilities and about mm-hmm. what I bring to the table. And I think it's because I stopped worrying about all of that fringe, just bullshit that did not matter. Like, did it matter that my kids had a perfect birthday cake that I had to make from scratch? Did it matter <laughs> that my daughter's hair had to look perfect? Did it matter like that, you know, her homework had to be perfectly signed. And if I sent in a form late, like, did I care what her teacher thought of me? Like, it, like does it matter if she thinks I'm a Debbie parent? No. <laughs> And I'm not a deadbeat parent, so it's okay. It was like I was putting all this external pressure just on myself for no reason. And I had to let that go. And then after that, you know, it just got so much easier. Yeah, I think um, it's unfortunate, but I was talking to a guest a a little while back, a couple episodes back, um, about how, like, it's really terrible, but sometimes these traumatic moments is what makes – ultimately better people like people who go through these kind of trials Mm -hmm. sort of end up better in the long run and more resilient for it and become more of like the the people i would define as being like more real because you're just like there's no point pretending anymore you know if you come out on the other side of something like that you're just like i just want to be real with the people i love like that's all i care about Mm -hmm. i don't want any of this bs anymore yeah i completely agree with that it's just unfortunate that you know, we don't want everyone to go through these trials. You know, we don't want them to lose loved ones or like whatever the case may be. Um, but it, you know, it happens. And, and the people who go through those struggles, you're, you're, you can either just continue pretending and like disconnect from everybody and completely disengage. And I, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's just in my mind, but I feel like those are the people 
that you hear about, like they get some sort of illness or they go through some trial and they just sort of disappear off the map because they just couldn't handle it and they weren't being real with themselves. They felt like we, they needed to continue putting on a show, whatever the case may be, and it kind of breaks you down emotionally. But if you can take that moment as like a lesson and try to appreciate it and get on the other side of it, um, yeah, I think you're, you're probably better better off in the long run. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to go through it again, but... Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think it's something where the more I look back at that, you're almost grateful for that experience. And especially because he's a perfectly healthy young boy now and he's, you know, crazy right. and wonderful. But, you know, there's... I, I always feel, like, weird being like, oh, I've had so much trauma in my life because I haven't. Like, so many people have gone through so much worse things. But, you know, I when I was... um. 15, you know, I lost my dad. And I think that trauma made me almost go through the opposite, right? Because at that point, I was like, well, now I need to be the perfect child. And now I need to be the perfect Mm. person because I didn't want to make my mom look bad. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to disappoint my, my dad in this like weird, you know, expectations I just set for myself. So that set me up in a position where like, all of a sudden, I was not feeling like myself and I had like issues with anxiety and depression for so long and it wasn't until like after I had Holden that I went and got the proper treatment and got the like proper medicine and it was like I actually was able to like just call myself on all this other bullshit that I had going on for years Mm. and just realize that like it's but it's just not worth it. Take care of yourself, take care of your loved ones. And it's okay not to be perfect. It's totally cool not to be perfect. You just have to make sure that you're living your best life. Right. Now, when when we met at Halawasa, the, mm-hmm. the first, I know you went a couple years, I think, yeah. right? Um, but I don't know if it was the first year. Like, was your first year there the year after your dad passed away? Um be hard to remember i don't know because I, I i only remember you like talking about how your dad had just passed away uh, so I, I, I don't remember like meeting you before that it's possible you went there beforehand but i was just curious because that's like um yeah like i like i met you at that point and now i i'm like seeing you on the other side of it so it's it's kind of fascinating but you you know i um i had never met someone at mm-hmm. that age you know in high school you don't meet a lot of people who lose their parents yeah um and you were one of the first people I remember meeting um, who I was just like, wait, what? You lost your parent? Mm-hmm. And at the time, my dad was sick um, from Huntington's and, like, not doing so good. And eventually he passed away a few years uh, after that. And so, like, it was kind of – it. unfortunately, it's, it's grim, but it resonated with me because I was like – I saw that in my future in a way. Mm-hmm. And, like, so in a lot of ways, you didn't realize this, but you're, like, you're – attitude even if it was a little bit of a show mm-hmm. sort of rubbed off um in terms of like I, I saw this positivity coming out of you and this like you were communicating with everyone and you were being open about it mm-hmm. and you know from any anything i had seen in the up to movies at that point in my life was like everyone kind of brushed it off or they like got really angry or they just kind of whenever some kid in a movie would lose a parent it was like this stereotype that they would just either melt down or, or hide away and to see someone who was like trying to be out in the world after that happened mm-hmm. was kind of like intriguing to me. Um, so what was that like? You, you're saying that was a lot of show though. Was that really like painful for you or you, you felt like you had to be this like perfect person and do all these things? Yeah. I mean, I definitely felt a little bit of 
pressure to be like I didn't want anybody to look at my mom and be like oh my gosh like poor Betty she -hmm. lost her husband and now she's got these three kids and you know Emily is you know struggling in school or Emily is a troublemaker or you know whatever you didn't want anything to pull it down to to like call attention to that basically exactly like I never wanted like my story to be like that I wanted everybody to you know look at it as you know Emily you know went through this and you know like she's she's okay you know and I didn't I didn't want to put anything else on my mom and also like I know my dad well enough that like he wouldn't want for me you know Mm -hmm. like he like used to always like well, I don't have a middle name and he used to always joke around that he should have like named me like Emily like relentless Mistrillo because I should be a lawyer because I'm so relentless whenever I want something <laughs> and like driven so like it's something where you know like I felt like I I had to keep going right like I had right. to and I had a brother who was five and a half years younger than me and my mom did not handle it very well you know she yeah i mean i I can imagine as now being a parent like that would be brutal to go through yeah Yeah. and i mean i had a lot of anger at my mom and we didn't speak for a while like when i was in high school and and in college just we had a really rocky relationship and it's funny because after i became a parent i was like oh Mm-hmm. Yeah, that must have been really hard. Yeah, yeah. You know, and she did some things that were like hurtful and selfish. But, you know, as a parent of three kids now, I'm like, holy shit, I don't know what I would do, you know, if I lost my husband. So yeah. I can't judge her for what she did. And and at the time, you know, I was just, I had no idea. I had no idea what it was like to have the pressure of three kids and not having a sounding board and not feeling financially stable and you know there's I had no idea so you know I definitely apologize to her a lot for being so (laughs) awful but um but I think also like a part of me internalized that because I always felt like I had to present myself as perfect outside because I never wanted anybody to look at my mom differently and it was more like her and my family than it was for me but um you know and I'm the type of person where I I feel very open about everything that I've been through and and even if I talked about it like polishing it up or or making it look prettier than than it was I felt like it was important to talk about because you never know who's going through what and right. Right. um you know I'm I'm a very trusting person I'm a very open and an honest person and I think that you know that's what's helped me be you know a good mom and a good friend and and I think it's what helped me be a really successful manager at work because you know you just you just need to be vulnerable with people and um you know it's not always easy or it's not always pretty but you just I I think that's been a really important part to, to who I am and you know I might not have always been as genuine as I wanted to be but I always had that vulnerability yeah, vulnerability. Are you a, a Brene Brown fan? Um, I never heard of her. No, I was like, um, I can't really say she that. She has a. I think she has a. She's she's like this um, person who talks about vulnerability and like opening up in in your life and your relationship and trying to be be honest. She's kind of like the 
the sort of um I don't even know what to say. She she would be like an icon for a podcast like this, like about honesty and, and being authentic and being yourself. But vulnerability is what sh- she brings it back to, like that like opening up aspect. And I think she actually um, might have a Netflix show that's coming out. Um, yeah, it's like KonMari, like, but now with Brene Brown, who's always talking about vulnerability. And maybe she gets like people and to open up. I, I don't know. I haven't seen the, the show yet. But it would be some someone to look into. Brene yeah, is a sure. weird name. It's, it's uh, B-R- u-n-e i think and then brown is the last name like the color okay um, for anybody listening as well yeah uh just check that out but um yeah vulnerability it's uh it's tough to do but i think it it helps you again in the long run it's all about just trying to get back to who you are deep down and i think i'm gonna i'm gonna try to lighten things up a little bit here mm-hmm. um i'm gonna get to something that i don't think you're you're uh you don't hide at all <laughs> hopefully this is not like a secret but you are a huge uh, Hanson fan. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> so has Hanson helped you through all these these moments in your life? Does Hanson make you feel the most honest, the most real? Yeah. So, you know, uh, it's so funny because people, like, they tease me all of the time because uh, <laughs> they're always like, really? Oombop? And I'm like, no, you have to listen to their new stuff, man. It's really good, which it is. You totally should. <laughs> Totally recommend their new stuff. But um, so when I was younger, um, like my dad was super into music, like super, super into music. He um, like anytime we'd walk into um, like it sounds so weird to say like a Sam Goody because that's like non-existent now or like exactly or um, what was those um, oh, they had those like magazines where you could get like the different cassettes or like CDs. oh yeah it was like BMG music and yes. you would like order a bunch of stuff yeah yeah so like and like my sister and I like whatever we would want like he was just like totally like we could each pick out right. CDs and um, like I actually like so uh, Hanson was one of my first, right? They were one of my first uh, um, like tapes that a cassette that I loved. Yeah. And <laughs> you're really dating yourself. Yes, a cassette, <laughs> and this is gonna super date me. Uh, but um, when I was in like you know, I guess I was in elementary school, Jesus, or um, you know, middle school, like I would actually take my little cassette like headsets, and I would mm-hmm. go on my swing set, and I would swing, and I would sing my heart out and my neighbors probably hated me but <laughs> it was like my favorite thing to do and I think it was almost like this like stress relief as like right. a middle school child just to like yeah. get that out but you know like I never felt like left out or bullied or anything like that and I always kind of had this like wild imagination and I loved being able to just like listen to that and get lost and daydream and it was mm-hmm. just a sense of being free and right. um you know that continued with with them um you know it was always something that of course they were super cute too so my teenage hormones were like raging at the time well um, hold on. S- side note real quick about that <laughs> <laughs> so i actually have a story because hansen i'm sure you've heard guys say like they're very pretty right uh-huh. so like at that age i was um like I was like, oh, I'm kind of attracted to Taylor Hansen. Like, <laughs> is that okay to be attracted to this it's girl? To- oh, wait, it's a guy. Like, totally. Okay. I didn't re- like. I thought Taylor was like the girl, and Taylor's kind of an androgynous name anyway. Uh-huh. I was just like, I didn't put it together, and then I started listening to them, and I, I, I liked them at the time. To- you know, at the time, I'll be honest, I haven't listened to a whole lot of Hansen lately, mm-hmm. but every now and then I'll listen to something. But, um, 
but yeah it was this funny thing and then like years later i see this girl at a party who kind of looks like taylor hansen <laughs> and i'm like but i think it's like a, a guy or a girl like i wasn't sure uh-huh. for a split second then i was like no she's definitely a girl and i go over and start talking to her and then we end up dating and that ends up being my wife <laughs> um, <laughs> and then everyone tells like um everyone tells her apparently that she looked like zach or taylor hansen like they would always get it mixed up i think they would say zach or taylor but i think she looks more like taylor hansen if mm-hmm. i'm being honest but but uh it's just one of those funny things where like in my subconscious like i thought i had this whole taylor hansen connection i never told her for the longest time and even though like i, I heard everyone in her family mm-hmm. say the hansen thing i was like i can't you want to talk about like being a little um hiding a little aspect of yourself i was like i can't tell her that like i like the first time i saw her literally the first time i was like she kind of looks like the hansen brother but she's a girl so it's completely acceptable for me a heterosexual guy to uh, uh, like pursue her it was like this weird weird thing going on in my brain at the time which i kind of like it's not even something i think about anymore and she at this point in life i don't think she really looks like him anymore and he obviously looks very different now yeah. as an adult um i love that but, story yeah, by the way that's like an amazing story yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i thought there was like a connection between the hansen hansen stuff in our life yes <laughs> i love that story he has a beard now so i don't think she looks like him anymore but yeah um... no she's not she doesn't have a beard right now <laughs> But it was, it's so funny because I, I do, I get teased about it all the time. And even my best friends, like, they'll be like, Emily, like, why don't you go see other shows? Because I've seen them probably like, I don't know, over 60 times, like probably wow. more. Like yeah. I, I've gone to Jamaica to see them. I, I'm actually going to <laughs> Oklahoma to see them. I go there every year to like Hanson Day and they, they have their own like beer and they have this huge. Oh, right. Yep. I've heard of that. Yeah. It's actually, if you like, um. Um, like hoppy beer. Their beer is called Umhops, which is one of their mm-hmm. brews. They actually have a <laughs> bunch, but that's my favorite and it's delicious. I would totally recommend it. But um, <laughs> as they would like tease me about it um, and just say like, okay, like why don't you see other bands? And it was really hard for me to explain, but you know, my life right now, it, you know, as good as it is, like it's stressful, you know, like we've got of course bills to pay and we've got kids and you're always like, oh my God, am I messing them up? Am I sparring them for life? <laughs> and, and, you know, at, at work, there's always like, you know, in customer service, you're always dealing with some kind of escalation and some customers not happy. And, you know, I, I love my job, but sometimes I come home and you're like, okay, you know, again, I need a drink and that kind of stuff. And you're just so overwhelmed by all of these adult responsibilities and, (laughs) and you just get so like, so wrapped up in it. And then when I get to go to a Hanson concert, it's my only time in my life where I am legit on my swing set again. I am 12. (laughs) I'm singing out loud in your swing set. 12. I am singing and I am carefree. And it is like, (laughs) Who doesn't want to be that kid again that doesn't yeah, of course. like that is it that pure joy that you find when you're that child and it, it's mm-hmm. still like every time it's exciting and it just brings me back to just feeling like you know just that that feeling when like like my family was complete and I didn't have any cares in the world and it right. like I first really got to experience you know music in that way where it was like oh lyrics mean what and you know like <laughs> it so I it's so much more of a special experience for me than like just going and like you know 
seeing them and like, I don't go to ogle them, you know, you know, I am a Zach girl. I will throw that out there. You know, he is my favorite. (laughs) I've always had a thing for drummers. Um, yeah, (laughs) my husband is a drummer. I'll throw that. (laughs) always have to throw that out there. There is a connection. See, there was some secret (laughs) thing there going on with the hands and stuff too. Absolutely. But (laughs) you know, and it was something for a while where I'd kind of get like embarrassed about it, but now I'm just like, no, like I love it. it. I love it. Yeah. I look, to it i'm so excited about it i it is my happy place it is my genuine happy place and my sister is like a total nerd too we that we were like just went down that rabbit hole together and um <laughs> like we're going to oklahoma in like three weeks together i am so excited wonderful and yeah like so many times i'll text her and i'm like oh my god adulting like i just wish i was at a hansen show right now and she's like i totally get it <laughs> And it's just like, I love that. Like I can have that connection with her and a few of my other childhood friends. And it's just like, I feel really lucky that I have something that I get to have that because I don't feel like everybody does. And you know, it's, it might be nerdy. People might judge me, but I'm totally cool with it because you know what, if everybody that, you know, if people can play fantasy football and be obsessed with that kind of stuff, or if they can be obsessed with like dungeons and dungeons and dragons and like now comics are coming around as like the pop culture. Oh, I'm saying now it hasn't been 15 (laughs) years of them being on the dominating the market. But my point is like, that was a nerd thing. Like, Oh, it's, it's all irrelevant. Like at some point, one of the things is going to be nerdy. The other one's not whatever love what you love Mm -hmm. you know if that's something you love and and just a a quick side note i remember reading a study a few years back that like that there's a window of time particularly like 12 to 14 that that age range i don't know what grade that is like seventh eighth grade maybe ninth and where you're just that's the music that you that just affects you the most emotionally and sticks with you the longest yeah and that most people really end up loving so you in some ways, like you obviously had a choice, you picked them at the time, but in other ways, like you can't control the time that you were born into mm-hmm. that like has some of this music that's going to affect you in this way. So if people think it's silly, um, you know, in some ways, like it became this thing that, that like was ingrained in you, even if you didn't realize it. And it's like, it's, it's, it's a lot of what your, your role in it is. Obviously you explained how many shows you've gone to, you, you've participated in this actively, yeah. but but at the same time, there was a like a, a part that wasn't active that was kind of taking over you. And if you if you tried to really dig deep on people and give it like, hey, what's that song that you just like, you know, if nobody if nobody knew what you were listening to, like, what really is that song? Mm-hmm. And it's hard to get people to admit that sometimes. Um, but it's one of those things from eighth or ninth grade, probably yeah. that just like that cuts is, at their their core. That is so funny though, because we I, I mean I was just talking about that to my husband and and you know I think. Um, you know, Hansel was definitely one and they were one that it was just, it was that more fun and freeing experience. Like I mentioned, mm-hmm. like my dad was super into music, like loved Ozzy Osbourne, like loved all the Motown, like loved Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> like, like loved Coolio. Like we had all this music around all of the time. There's a wide variety, yeah. but we went to like Hershey park one year and we just pulled over at the outlets and there's this music outlet and he basically said, you know, pick anything. And mm. I picked out um, Less Than Jake. Um, and I, <laughs> Less Than Jake, Less yes. Than Jake. Um, I'm like blanking on the CD. It was blue and yellow. Oh, I, can't, um, I, I can see it yes. in my mind. I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, my gosh. And also, this this was probably like the, the album that literally changed my life. It was Ben Folds 5, Whatever and Ever Amen. 
Oh, uh, yeah. I just saw Ben Folds when they came to Philly like last summer. With cake? Uh, yes, I was with there cake. too. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a great show. Cake and cake is another underrated band. Oh, but awesome. Love cake. But yeah. like that was one where like I put on the headphones and I was listening to like Ben Folds 5. And that was when it was like, holy shit, this is what music is. This, oh yeah this yeah and he was doing like crazy things is. with music at least from, from especially from like a middle schooler's perspective just like yeah. what like this yeah. piano and what is this and there's all these instruments and and it's funny because um like there's a few songs that i feel like still like emotionally get me when i think about my dad and the song mm-hmm. evaporated oh yeah yeah off that album yeah that is one that like every time i listen to it i get choked up and it's just like it reminds me just of of like of how I felt like when I when I lost him and it reminds me of what I felt when I listened to that song for the first time it was like I had an emotional reaction and it was like I had a reaction but I I didn't know what those emotions were yet and then when Mm -hmm. I had them I was like well this sucks but I also just loved that song and I just I loved that it just it just it just got it so it's still one of my it's still one of my favorites but um it's it's funny to this day like that is my my go-to is like always Ben Folds it's it's him and then it's it's him and Hanson which sounds so crazy like that like how do they go together but <laughs> right but right. they it that's just what will connect me it what will bring me down and it what like connects me to my past and it's what makes me just remember who who Emily is yeah I think that's good that's, that's all part of like what makes you who you are I think um I, I want to get a little bit more into to that near the end here, and I have a couple things. But be- before I do, I, I feel like I, I can't miss out on that opportunity to talk to you about you have a book idea that's kind of in the works. Yeah. So it's – well, it's been in the works for a while. Um, <laughs> so I always wanted to be a writer. That was always my goal in life. But, you know, life doesn't always work out how you plan. Um, <laughs> so I actually went to school. I went to Temple and um, – First, I went to go for uh, political science because I was going to be a lobbyist and I was going to be a politician and I was going to change the world. And after like a semester and a half, I was like, these people are crazy. And uh, and it was just exhausting (laughs) because nobody was listening to each other. They were just like talking over each other. And I I was just like, you know what? What like what do I really want to do? What do I love? It was always writing. And Mm -hmm. um. I switched over to English literature with a with a focus on romantic poetry, so very useful degree. And yeah, I've actually had had a poet guest on the the show, uh, Fritz Ward, uh, one or two episodes back. Yeah, but it was like I loved it. I just loved it, and um, I, I just it was one of those things where it just spoke to me. So I loved learning, and you know, yeah. the degree might not be something where like you know I can brag about it when I go to a business meeting, but. <laughs> I can say that I thoroughly enjoyed my education, but I graduated and I was like, wait, no one just like pays you to be a writer. Like, I don't understand. This isn't like a thing. So, um, you know, life didn't really end out that way. And then, you know, I, I, I moved to Puerto Rico for a while and then I came back and got married and had a baby. It was like one of those things. <laughs> um, but I, but as soon as I had Rosie or, or actually when I was expecting Rosie, I, I had this idea of like, what would it be like if, if I was, if I was a child with her, like, 
like what will we do will we get into trouble like will we have fun like i love to think of the idea of us having fun together and just like causing mayhem and right. and then when i started getting baby books when she was born all the books again for girls were they were acting just like they were princess books mm -hmm. and it was like pink alicious and and um there weren't a lot of really good books about girls just acting like kids and right. like i i mean you've got kids i don't know if you've ever read like the david books like the the ones where it's like oh um, like oh, oh dave oh, yeah like oh david and he's always just like being a hot mess but uh, i that, yeah it's frustrating yeah but i loved them because like basically <laughs> like david was just being a kid and yes that's true <laughs> you know what i thought that was like something that was kind of like real and but like none of those books were like girl characters and that's true yeah i just wanted to like have a book that was about like girls that could just be like a hot mess having fun <laughs> so um i wrote this book that was um you know emily amelia which was my Amelia is my given middle name by girls I used to nanny for four. <laughs> and um, when I was in Puerto Rico, they actually told me that Amelia is Emily for span like in Spanish. So I was oh, like, yeah, yeah. I was, was going to say, that. Is, isn't that Spanish for Emily? <laughs> so it actually ended up being something. I was like, well, great, you know, there you go. I guess I'm Emily, Emily, technically. That, but that's perfect. Yeah, Emily, Emily. <laughs> and then my daughter's name is Rosalie Quinn, and so I just made the the book that and. The story is basically just them being kids, like they're digging for dirt in the mud. And, and the whole description of them is like being a mess. Like it was me when I was younger and like all the pictures, like my socks are mismatched and they were they were always falling down. And like I had knobby knees and Rosie's hair was always a knot. And like right. these girls are just kids and they are driving their dad crazy and they have all these crazy plans and they make mud pies and they put them in the freezer and they take a bath and they get into a shaving cream and they make a mess and like the dad is just exhausted like a normal dad is and and you know they go to <laughs> I, I can feel it as, as you're saying yes exactly <laughs> you know and they go to bed and they're not going to bed they're telling stories and they're making plans but it was just like and i love now though because i see my kids and it's like exactly how they are and i so it's cool because i wrote it before i had other children i wrote it when my daughter was my only like was like an infant and right. um but i just wanted to have that representation and i also wanted to be a book that was like fun for parents to read and fun for kids to be like read to and get excited about and mm -hmm. you know it rhymes and it's just like it's just a nonsense kid story but i felt like you know, there's a lot of stories out there with messages in them and that's cool and we need them. I totally encourage that. But when I'm reading books with my kids, I want them to be fun and, yeah, and I want them to be engaged. And I just wanted, I just wanted a book about kids actually being kids. So yes, I like that. Um, I can't draw for shit. So that was an issue. Um, <laughs> and then I worked at Nordstrom for a while and basically that was something where we needed health insurance. So uh, Nordstrom hired me and they had health insurance and mm -hmm. it was um, a really hard job, but um, it also taught me a ton about customer service. My first management job was there and it was experience that, um, I'm super grateful for, but I met somebody there that is a wonderful artist and became like an amazing friend. And he was like, I'll, I'll animate this for you. Like I will absolutely illustrate this for you. And 
it <laughs> took us five years to get it together because our lives yeah, were just wow. so busy. And basically, like, um, you know, a few months ago, he basically he just was like, hey, it's ready. Go pick it up and just surprised me with it. <laughs> and I went and picked up the copy and just like sobbed in this like the, in the, like the lobby of this like bookstore in like Pensacon because uh, yeah. it was just like I held it and it had my name on it and it had it was just so just a real experience and um <laughs> he is an amazing amazingly talented artist and he is trying to make a, a career for himself so we're working on getting it um like drop distributed through amazon um right. but yeah. we it's tricky with the ISBN codes. Like a lot of times if you go through other companies, you can only sell it through them. So I'm realizing mm -hmm. that it's a little stickier than we originally thought to get it published. So we're making sure that we're taking our time and, and that we can do it right. Because yeah. the most Because you want to have options to put it in a lot of places. Yeah. And, okay. you know, I don't think that I'm going to really go on and write a ton of books, but I really want to make sure that, that Jeremy, who is the artist, his name is Jeremy Lightcap. You should check him out on Instagram, Facebook. His, and he's just incredible. Um, I'll include a, a link. How, how do you pronounce or uh, spell his last name? I mean? It's Lightcap. Like. Oh, Lightcap. Okay, light, yeah. Lightcap. Yeah. It's just yeah. those two words together. Um, <laughs> But he's, he's awesome, and I really want to make sure that however we can get this distributed, that for somebody to spend that much time and energy and effort just to make, like, my dream a reality, like, I want to make sure <laughs> that I can help him with his career, however, because he's been, like, a starving artist for so long, and he's way too talented yeah, to do that. It's tough, especially as, like, an illustrator animator. I'm, yeah. I have a couple friends that do that, and it's, yeah, it's really tough. Yeah, so it was... It was awesome just to be able to give that to my kids and and we've we've got the one copy and i had jeremy sign it so we've got you know <laughs> that original signature but nice. um i am i will be just like dancing a jig of joy when we could actually get it distributed but i'd also be kind of okay if i just had my copy for me but for jeremy's sake i want to make sure that i can get his <laughs> name out there yeah, well, I, I I wish you guys luck. I th I think that's that's fantastic if you can get it out there and keep on trucking. You obviously took the time to make it mm -hmm. over that span. You know what what's a little bit more time to try and get it right and get it out there. Yeah, I think that's totally worth it. Yeah, fantastic. Unfortunately, we're we're winding down here. This mm -hmm. has been a lot of fun. I do want to get to one segment before I ask my sort of final question, mm -hmm. and that brings us to um, the donation charity section. Donation directions. Directions on where and how to donate your donations. So, this was such a hard one to like narrow down because <laughs> I have so many organizations that I work with and I am just uh, huge fans of. And um, so I run Future Lady Leaders, which is a nonprofit, but I feel like I should not plug my own. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're you're welcome to do whatever you want. But but I yeah. think everyone definitely heard a lot about yeah, it already, so, which is good. Yeah, we're good there. But I think <laughs> the one cool thing that I I got to gain through um through my organization was I got to meet so many amazing women in the community who started mm -hmm. their own uh, organizations that have made such an impact. So um, can I mention two? Am I allowed to do that? Yes. yes. Okay. People, people keep trying to sneak to it. No, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> 
Okay, so I'll be quick. So one is called Cozies for Chemo. And it is, the, it's a, such a simple idea. It is just that you can do this at any event. You can do it at home. You can do it with your kids. You can do it at schools or anything. But it's basically making Thai fleece blankets and they send them to people that are going through chemo all over, mm. all over the world. And it basically just mm -hmm. shows them that people are thinking about them and that, you know, um, they're not alone as they are going through this. And unfortunately, a lot of people are alone when they're going through some of these chemo right. treatments. And um, it's a beautiful idea, first of all. But the other amazing thing about this organization is that it was started by a girl in seventh grade in, oh, wow. in our community. So oh, I love that this is a true future lady leader who had this idea and she's got sponsors and they've donated like over like a hundred thousand blankets in yeah. like over like 50 countries. So I think <laughs> that like this young lady just deserves to be supported because she's incredible. Um, and I think she's just going to college this year. Like she's just amazing and she's going to do amazing things. So I would just love to see her organization thrive. Um, yeah, is her name Megan? Is that who it is? Uh, yeah, I'm looking it up. Megan Vizzer. Okay. Yeah. Megan Vizzer. That's her yeah. Name? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So she is amazing, and I just I want to see her just like thrive and do and continue to do like incredible things. Yeah, um, that's wonderful. So the other one is um, an organization called Hand and Heart, um, and it's hand and then like a little N and then heart. And this one is was started by a local mom in our community. Um, you know, her name is Trish, and her um, brother uh, was homeless, and she would go and visit him and see that there is all of this opportunity in our um, local community in South Jersey and in Kensington and Philly that I think people don't realize that um, we have such... A, a population of the of these people in need that are homeless but also that we have such an issue with these um people that are dealing with substance abuse problems and mm. and that they're just so forgotten about and pushed aside and they are you know incarcerated and they are you know put in mental health institutions that are just you know not really addressing their problems and they're just kind of basically left out in the cold and left to die. And she's done such amazing, amazing, amazing things. Um, helping with um, bringing like, you know, the, the clean injection sites and the methadone clinics and also just making it that it is, you, you need to love these people and you need to embrace them and that they're still yeah. people and they still have potential. And she goes out every single weekend and gives them love bags, which are, food and um supplies and we write handwritten notes in there just being just saying something like you are amazing like you are incredible <laughs> and there's people here who are rooting for you and we've done this with future lady leaders before just taking collections we've um sent them like hats scarves all this other kind of stuff but it is run by this woman who is a you know full-time working mom and just started this coalition within the organization to basically take on that this population in need that nobody else wanted to and right. we've also helped kids in foster care who have come from you know um adults in this situation and she is doing amazing things and i think that um 
you know, any help that we can give her for this cause that she is just so passionate about is just, you know, she deserves, she deserves all of the help and the donations that we could give her because, you know, her heart's a hundred percent in this and her, um, recognition is growing. She was recognized as, um, one of the top win women business owners last year. And oh, wow. I, okay, yeah. um, want to make sure that she continues this potential, um, and this like momentum that she's got going to just keep this nonprofit, you know, helping and expanding because there's so many more people that not only in our state, but in our region and in the country that need the support. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. We'll, we'll make sure we include links for everything and, and some information and obviously future lady leaders will also be on there. Um, fantastic. Thank you for uh, mentioning them. Mm -hmm. And I like to have one sort of final question at the end here, uh, which is what advice would you give to people of all ages who are listening about how they can best be themselves, the most authentic version of themselves on a regular basis? I think it's, you know, it's really important to understand what your values are and, and what drives you and what, what are your motivations. And I think that, um, a big thing too, is that I think it's so important to understand what your strengths are. And I think that, um, that strengths get misconstrued a lot as what you're good at, but that's not how I define strengths. I think strengths are defined as what is your passion and what energizes you and what energizes others around you and what makes you the right. sun and not the salt and, and you know, what basically like makes you feel like your best self. And there's actually a book that I recommend to a lot of people called strength finders 2.0. Um, okay. then you can get it off Amazon and it is a book that makes you go through like basically an online quiz. There's like a pin for each one, but okay. at the end it like, tells you out of like the 50 strengths they have listed your top three strengths and they break it down in a, in a bunch of really cool ways where you could see how it is utilized in your personal life you can see how you can use it in a professional context if you want to use it for like a resume but what i love about it is that for every single person that i've referred this to it has really i think opened their eyes to be like wow that that is me like and mm, and mm -hmm. i think understanding what that is and if you can understand, like, those are my strengths, it helps you accept them. It helps you understand the value that you bring. It helps you, you know, get that confidence from that. And then after that, you know, then, then that comes the ability to accept yourself, be more genuine. But right. I think that, you know, starting with understanding your strengths, which everyone, like, you know, if you ask, like, what are your strengths and weaknesses? Everybody gives bullshit answers. You really need to dig in and understand <laughs> what that is and, and define right. it, define it in that different way with what gives you energy, like what makes you happy? What is your passion? And you know, how can you help others? And then that is something where that will launch you to figure out how, who, who you are and how to be genuine. And and honestly, I think it just comes with age and experience, which is kind of like a sucky <laughs> answer, but 
Yeah, but like you're just gonna have to go through some shit before yeah. you can feel like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to some degree. But yeah. I, I think people younger can also try to embrace this. Yeah, uh, absolutely. As well. But I mean, you can be young and go through some shit and experience too. You know, it's not obviously, like obviously yes, as has been already mentioned. Yeah, today in detail, right? So I think it's it's up to to everybody. But I think the one thing that makes me sad is I feel like so many people that I talk to that are, you know, they could be eight, they could be. 30 they could be 50 and they don't understand what makes them special and what makes them valuable and and Mm -hmm. they bring so much to my life and that's just me you know so what do they bring to work what do they bring to their family what do they bring to their community and I think understanding that that that's going to help you figure out like that what makes what drives you and and that from there that will help you just that's just gonna guide your path and and you'll become that that true truest version of yourself that you could possibly be you know i I understand reality is not like 100 percent true all the time yeah but but yeah being being real with yourself really is all that matters at the end of the day um when all those other things are gone right so that that will help you find that yeah and it's not easy to find sometimes so i think just like that self-exploration helps you get there yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing conversation. I, I lo- loved everything we've been talking about. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you a million times over for being on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Before I, I let everybody go who's listening there, uh, as always, you know, if um, you want to follow on Facebook, Twitter, all that information's on the on the website. Um, if you go to twohitpodcast.com slash subscribe, it has all the ways you can subscribe, you can follow, you can listen. And um, if you want to send a message, there's also a contact page there. And you can also direct message on any of the the platforms that um, I am on. And if you have any recommendations, comments, you know, guest recommendations, segments or topic recommendations, all of that, send it through that contact page. And I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been the Two Hip Podcast. (laughs) 